Last month, a violent crime shook San Francisco when a tech executive was murdered. Cash App founder Bob Lee was stabbed to death early Tuesday morning, and no arrests have been made. Many quickly blamed rising crime rates and homelessness in the city. Heightened fears of violent crime in the Bay Area after a tech executive is stabbed to death. The killing has renewed anger in San Francisco over perceptions that the city isn't safe. The story of Bob Lee has really transfixed San Francisco. That's our colleague, Kirsten Grind. So initially, me and my colleagues were looking into this as more of a San Francisco story, what was going on in the city, right? But then prosecutors released the fact that the victim, Bob Lee, had actually known his alleged killer. Behind his murder, Kirsten uncovered an underground scene with drugs and sex where the Bay Area's rich and powerful partied hard. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Kate Leinbaugh. It's Tuesday, May 16th. Coming up on the show, the story behind Bob Lee's murder. This episode is brought to you by Canva. When your work looks good, you look good. So create all the stunning presentations, docs, whiteboards, and videos you need with Canva. Start with one of the designer-made templates or jump ahead with the power of AI. It's a real time saver and anybody can use it. Whatever department you work in, whatever you need, Canva will help you get it done and make it look fantastic. Start designing today at canva.com. Design for work. Tap the banner to learn more. Bob Lee grew up in St. Louis. He moved to San Francisco in the 2000s, drawn by the tech industry. He's known as a very brilliant computer programmer. And, you know, one of his first accomplishments was helping to write some of the code for the Android operating system. He worked at a lot of big-name companies in Silicon Valley, like Square, the payments company, and Google. He then founded Cash App, a mobile payment service. I created Cash App and became a bit of a mobile payments expert. For this brief presentation, I'm going to share a peek into the world of mobile payments and what I'm bringing to MobileCoin. And his last job was actually working at MobileCoin, which is a cryptocurrency startup. Did he have a family? He has a wife who he has been separated from for a number of years and two teenage children. He was very close with his mother. And so when his mother died, he had moved his father in with him, and then they both moved to Miami. They just wanted a change of scene. I would say that his family includes many, many close friends. We talked to numerous of his friends for the story, and everyone just raved about him, basically, and what a great guy he was. The only fault, if you could call it a fault, that they would really say was that He could be a little trusting and sometimes naive. And that meant he would kind of let people in that maybe were not the best people sometimes. Bob worked hard, but his friends told Kirsten that he also played hard. 
that was a big part of his personality. All of his social media handles, a lot of them call him Crazy Bob Lee. And everyone has like a Crazy Bob Lee story. So all these people you spoke with talked about him as this great guy and a successful tech investor, but you also learned about this life he had outside of that image. Can you tell us more about that? That's right. So he loved to have fun. He worked super hard, but he also loved going out. And he was part of this community. Some people call it the lifestyle. The lifestyle. According to Kirsten's reporting, the lifestyle is an informal underground party scene where the elites of San Francisco do a lot of drugs and have casual sex. And it just basically meant, you know, after you go out for drinks in the evening or after you go to the bar, there's going to be a whole other party that is going on overnight. And that was Bob Lee's scene. He was at the rave. He was at the underground parties. There's recreational drug use. Um, There's a lot of sort of looser sleeping around. And that is the sort of thing he was really into. And is this like an organization? It's not an organization. It's it's just really an informal almost term that people use to describe this kind of underground scene. But that said, there are kind of, you know, loose rules around it, right? Like a Like a code of conduct. What were they? The rules were kind of like, you know, there has to be consent always. And if you weren't that kind of person, you were quickly excommunicated. So even though this isn't sort of a formal thing, there was definitely like this group of people that adhered to these kind of loose rules. Do you find the CEOs of big tech companies? I mean, you might. Because that was part of it, right? Is it really levels the playing field of who you are. It's it's the same crowd, well, some of the same crowd, that also loves Burning Man, the big festival in the Nevada desert every year, right? These are the people that when you go to Burning Man, it doesn't matter if you're CEO of, you know, Google or if you're like a 25-year-old intern, you're all there partying together. And this is what people really love about the underground scene in San Francisco, too. Kirsten says it's hard to know how many people take part in the lifestyle. San Francisco has always been known as as kind of this looser, hippie vibe and atmosphere. And this is kind of the next stage of that, if you can imagine. Really also incorporating the technology industry in there because there's a lot of people like Bob Lee with a lot of money and with, with extra time. Bob also traveled around a lot, partied a lot in different countries. So they're just looking for different experiences and connections than they would have normally. So like the summer of love meets, you know, the iPhone. Yes. (laughs) That's a good way to put it. Yes. Bob Lee's wife, Krista Lee, disputed that he was a, quote, party boy. She said he was a dedicated father and said she never heard the term the lifestyle. Other people Kirsten spoke with said that Bob had several relationships with women he met through the lifestyle. 
And they said that one of those relationships was with a woman named Kazar Momeni. They were both in that scene. And friends that we've spoken to have told us that he told them he had been casually sleeping with her. Kazar was born in Iran and moved to the Bay Area with her mother and older brother. She's married to a plastic surgeon. Prosecutors have said in court documents that it appeared their marriage might have been in trouble. Bob also knew Kazar's brother, a man named Nima Momeni. He ran an IT consulting firm across the Bay from San Francisco. According to people Kirsten spoke with, Nima would go to these parties too. He was often kind of on the outside of the group, like not the vivacious partier that his sister was. And he was kind of sullen and sometimes very suspicious of, you know, people's motives around his sister. He was very protective. And according to prosecutors, both Nima and Kazar Momeni were with Bob the night he was killed. That's coming up. This episode is brought to you by AARP. They have reskilling courses and career tools to help your income live as long as you do. The younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. On the day before Bob Lee was killed, he was in San Francisco to visit some friends. Can you walk us through the day of April 3rd? So April 3rd was a Monday. This is kind of a funny fact because think about like what the rest of us were doing on a Monday, probably like at our computer. Right. (laughs) You know, Um, so Bob Lee on a Monday was at a house party at like three in the afternoon. And then from the house party, kind of a lot of movement took place. He was going back and forth between his hotel, Kazar's apartment, Prosecutors say after the house party, there was a confrontation between Nima and Bob. They say Nima asked Bob whether his sister Kazar had done drugs or anything inappropriate. Bob said no. Eventually, prosecutors say Bob and Nima ended up at Kazar's apartment. And is she there? She is there. And she later tells prosecutors that Bob was only there for a little bit. And that is confirmed by prosecutors by video camera footage around the outside of the building. According to prosecutors, around two in the morning, Nima and Bob left Kazar's apartment and got into Nima's white BMW. They drove to a dark area in San Francisco's wealthy Rincon Hill neighborhood. 
they allege that Nima stabs Bob with a kitchen knife and then leaves Bob on the street where he tries to call 911 for help and then basically crumples in the street while he's bleeding. Paramedics do get there and they rush him to the hospital, but he dies. Prosecutors later recovered a message Kazar sent Bob after he and Nima left her place. Just wanted to make sure you're doing okay, because I know Nima came way down hard on you. And thank you for being such a classy man, handling it with class. Love you, selfish pricks. And by the way, we asked around about what selfish pricks might mean, and no one really knew. But clearly they were on somewhat of good terms for her to have sent that text. Her and Bob. That's right. But Bob, at this point, it has died. Exactly. Ten days after Bob Lee died, police arrested Nima Momeni for his murder. Nima plans to plead not guilty, according to his attorney, who also questioned the value of the video footage. Nima is being held without bail. Later this week, he'll appear at a detention and arraignment hearing. In a statement, lawyers for Kazar Momeni said that she's saddened by the death, but that there are many false rumors about the case. Her lawyers added she loves and supports her brother. On May 5th, Bob's wife, Krista, hosted a private memorial for him at San Francisco's iconic Ferry Building. And everyone gave speeches, including his daughters, and they all wrote letters to Bob that they put in a box, and those letters are going to be burned at Burning Man this summer, which was one of Bob's favorite events. And then, of course, they had to hold an all-night rave. So that's what they did, too, to say goodbye to Bob. When Bob was found stabbed, many people had blamed the city's rising crime rates. What are those people who were pointing the finger at that? What are they saying now? Right. Well... I think everyone was a little um, chagrined after that, but I don't think, <laughs> for example, you know, Elon Musk was one of the criticizers, and I don't think anyone came out and sort of apologized for criticizing the city, especially, you know, it's a tricky situation because there are problems with the city right now. So I don't think people wanted to back down so much from their position, but it clearly was a completely different story than what everyone assumed it was. Right. Yeah. Like, a lot about this story isn't what it appeared at first. I mean, nothing about the story is what it appeared at first. And how is this not just a murder story? It is a murder story. You're totally right. But it became more of a San Francisco story in a way. It became a story really about this lifestyle. And I think it really shows a different side to the tech sector that I had never encountered. And listen, I've been reporting on these kind of tech stories for five years now. And I know a lot about the party scene and kind of the drugs that people use, but I had never really heard about this more underground crowd before. I mean, you kind of hear whispers of it, but I had never 
delved into it to the extent that we did on this story. And it's interesting that this is all kind of happening underneath the surface here, definitely hours after I've gone to sleep at night. That's all for today, Tuesday, May 16th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Additional reporting in this episode by Katherine Bindley and Zusha Ellenson. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.